I'm going to speak to you from the book of Acts, and I've got as my text today, uh, Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it grew in strength and numbers. The believers were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father God, I just submit myself to you, O God, and I ask, O God, that, Lord, your name would be honored, that you would anoint this word, O God, into each one of our hearts. Lord, you would speak to me as you have spoken, and you would speak to those here. And, Lord, that this would be a time of blessing for us. And, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us into your paths of righteousness as we hear your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, the title of my message I have given is Living in the Fear and the Comfort of the Holy Spirit. Fear, the word fear, I usually associate with, I'm in trouble, I'm going to get punished, or, you know, something bad's going to happen, it's some danger. You know, that's the word usually, you know, we associate with fear. But I like to read from the same scripture, 931, from the book of Acts, in the message translation, which really brings out what I would like to share this morning. So, I'm going to read um, message translation. Things calmed down after that, and the church had smooth sailing for a while. All over the country, Judea, Samaria, and Galilee, the church grew. They were permeated with a deep sense of reverence for God. The Holy Spirit was with them, strengthening them, and they prospered wonderfully. They were permeated with a deep sense of reverence for God. Reverence for God. This is what I would like to bring out in my message today. You know, as a Pentecostal church, we believe in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit is the most important person in our lives today. You know, God sent us the Holy Spirit so we can know him. Just like the disciples knew Jesus, you know, they, they moved with him. They had conversations with him. They knew him. And in the same way, God has given us the Holy Spirit that we learn and that we know him. And we cultivate that relationship with him. So my understanding as a child, I, I grew up in the church, you know, I was in a, brought up in a Christian home, went to church even as a little child. And as I grew, I think I was seven, eight, um, the experiences of the Holy Spirit that I saw and the, um, my understanding was the Holy Spirit was powerful, he was a force, and he was, uh, he was also someone who, had, who you could speak in tongues, and he spoke, you know, we, people spoke in different languages. The power of the Spirit was there. I have experienced healing, seen healing, and the power of the Spirit was there. A prophecy, the power of the Spirit was there in words of prophecy. Or, you know, there were these physical demonstrations, manifestations of the Holy Spirit. People fell down. People spoke, and they manifested in ways that was quite unusual to me as a child. You know, there was a warm feeling, a tingling feeling. People were moving, and you know, there's so many ways that God touched people, and I had experienced all of that. And that was my understanding of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, well, when the Holy Spirit comes on me, that is what will happen to me. Until then, 
I don't know anything. But as I grew and I heard more of the scriptures, I understood that the Holy Spirit is a person, that he lives in me and he lives in you. And because of that, we have a relationship with him. And he's, he's, over the years that I have you know, grown up in the Lord, I have also understood that it is not just a relationship that I can have with him, that I can have intimacy with him. You know, that is where my journey is now. I want that intimacy with the Holy Spirit. That, you know, as we sang, I want to know Jesus. That we know Jesus in such a personal way, such a marvelous way. That, you know, he's the closest. He's, the Holy Spirit is the closest to us. And what he says and what he does is so powerful in our lives. And, it, you know, it's not for, for you know, who what I want everyone to see, but who he is in me. That it is who, it is the Holy Spirit that will speak. It is the Holy Spirit that will work in my life. And it is the Holy Spirit that people will see and understand. So to, uh, to help you understand what I'm trying to say, I have a scripture that I want to, I have a story that I want to share. Actually, it is from 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verses 1 to 3. At that time, Israel was at war with the Philistines. The Israelite army was camped near Ebenezer, and the Philistines were at Apek. The Philistines attacked and defeated the army of Israel, killing 4,000 men. After the battle was over, the army of Israel retreated to their camp, and their leaders asked, Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Then they said, Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. If we carry it into, into, into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. So they sent men to Shiloh to bring back the Ark of the Covenant. So just to, uh, I'll pause here and just to show what the Ark of the Covenant meant. I have an image here of the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, so that is what the image is. And when we go back to Exodus chapter 25, and I'm going to read from verses, um, from verses 8 and 9. Here the Lord is speaking to Moses, and the Lord says, I want the people of Israel to build me a sacred residence where I can live among them. You must make this tabernacle and its furnish exactly furnishings exactly according to the plans I will show you. And so the next few verses go down to tell, tell Moses exactly how the Ark of the Covenant should be made. And then I read verses 21 and 22. Place inside the Ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give you. Then put the atonement cover on top of the Ark. I will meet with you there. I will talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that, uh, that hover over the Ark of the Covenant. From there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. So God promises that he will presence himself there and that he will speak. And today we have the Holy Spirit that lives in us and God's promise is still the same. That his presence is with us and that he will speak to us and he will teach us of his ways. So I would like to go on reading the rest of that um, uh, scripture from 1 Samuel 4, 4 to 11. So they went, sent men to Shiloh to bring the, back the Ark of the Covenant for the Lord Almighty who is enthroned between the cherubim. Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, helped carry the Ark of God to where the battle was being fought. When the Israelites saw the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord coming into camp, their shout of joy was so loud that it made the ground shake. 
What's going on? The Philistines asked. What's all that shouting about in the Hebrew camp? When they were told it was because of the ark of the Lord had arrived, they panicked. The gods have come into their camp, they cried. This is disaster. We have never had to face anything like this before. Who can save us from these mighty gods of Israel? They are the same gods who destroyed the Egyptians with plagues when Israel was in the wilderness. Fight as you never have before, Philistines. If you don't, we will become the Hebrew slaves, just as they have been ours. So the Philistines fought, fought desperately, and Israel was defeated again. The slaughter was great. 30,000 Israelite men died that day. The survivors turned and fled to their tents. The ark of God was captured, and Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were killed. What a, what a story. What a story. What a story. God placed his presence with us. The presence was with, with, with the people of Israel in the Ark of the Covenant. But they didn't value it. They, at that time, in this, in this story, they didn't understand that this, is, this was the presence of the God. They just thought that if we bring the Ark, things will work out for us. They treated it as an object, just like an object, maybe like a fridge or a microwave or whatever it is. We bring it and we use it. Okay? And they had no reverence for it. They had no reverence for it. So the first point I like to make is don't treat God like a good luck charm. God placed his presence within us. He's a person who you and I can experience. His power is tangible. And sometimes you and I can feel certain emotions in our body. Though we are not seeking for these experience or the manifestations of, these, of the presence of God, we don't reject them because you cannot separate God of the Bible from the power of his spirit. We cannot separate them too. So to go on with the story, I won't read too much because, they, because of time. But what happened was Eli, um, Eli's two sons had died. And now that the Philistines had captured the ark, they took the ark to their temple. They worshipped a god called. Uh, they um, worshipped a god, a god called um, uh, Dagon, and so they took him to the temple of Dagon, and they placed the ark near near Dagon. And so they went away. And the next morning, when the people came to the temple, Dagon was not there. Dagon had fallen, and right in front of the ark. Of, of God, and so they thought, "Oh, what's happened here?" So they pick up Dagon and put him back. They put him back on. And the following day, when people came to worship in their temple, now Dagon is fallen, and he's fallen down. And not only has he fallen down into the presence of the ark, but his hand and his face are also broken. And so, the priests of the Philistines and the people of the Philistines realized, "Look." This God of the Israelite people, this God of Israel, Yahweh, is not to be messed up with. He's not someone that we can mess up with. So they decided they will move the ark and they took it to Ashdod, which is there within the city where the temple was. And what happened in Ashdod was that the people in Ashdod came out with a plague of tumors. 
And so they got fearful and they said, let's take the ark to the next town. They took it to a town named Gath. And the same thing happened. And now there was real fear. They, you know, they already understood what had happened in Egypt. They knew what, what God of Israel was. And so there was real fear. So after seven months, the ark was, you know, around that area, uh, seven months. And then they decide, no, you know, they want to take it to another town. The people said, don't, we are all going to be killed. Get the priest, do something, send it back to Israel. So they get their priests and they decide that they will send it back to Israel. So the point that I also want to make is God will not cohabit with other gods. Our God will not cohabit with other gods. God, through Jesus Christ, he has given us, forgiven us our sins. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, by the virtue of his very presence, these other gods in our life are defeated. They are defeated. The day you ask Jesus to come into your life, and you know, there's no power. He gives me the power. He gives you the power uh, to remove the presence. He's given, he's taken the power of sin away from their lives, from our lives, and so we can change our habits by the power of the Spirit. We can change the way we live. We can change what we do, how we speak. All these things can be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the presence of God in our life. So we, I just remembered Zacchaeus. When Jesus asked, you know, told Zacchaeus, I'll come into your house, and you know, Jesus goes, and the very presence of Jesus, the moment Jesus enters into Zacchaeus' house, he says, Jesus, I will not cheat anymore. I will give back everything that I stole. I will give back to the people. You know, the very presence of God, the very presence of the Spirit of God, you know, all the little gods that ruled Zacchaeus' life, like um, jealousy, greed, you know, all those things, they fall down. You know, he, the lying, you know, the lying that he, you know, he said to get money or, or extort money from tax, you know, from taxes from people, everything fell by the very presence of Jesus Christ in his home. So that can be our story too. You know, so when we, you know, many times we say to people, you know, come to church, you know, come to church. We invite them, we say, come, you know, we will pray for, you know, God will help you and say, oh, no, no, I can't come to church. I am that wicked, I'm so bad, you know, God didn't want me in, in, my, in the church. But that's not true. You know, God invites, he's here for, he came for the sinners. He invites, Jesus came for the sinners and he invites all of us to come and to, he, to be in his presence. He wants us, he created us, he loves us, he wants us all to come. But we think we are not good enough, we can't. And that's why we say, come. You know, we, we say, can I pray for you? you? You know, if they don't want to come to church, you say, your Holy, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You say, can I pray for you? You pray. See, deliverance will defeat the strongholds in people's lives. That is the power of prayer. But discipleship gets rid of the garbage. So we need discipleship. That is renewing our mind and changing our habits. See, God doesn't control us. He doesn't control us, but he gives us control by the power of the Spirit. He has given us control by the power of the Spirit. So that is our God. So going over to the story again, I'm reading. Um, so the ark now um, is being moved, is being moved. So it's being moved to the territory of Israel. And this is what we read in uh, chapter seven, verses one and two. So the men of Kiriath-Jerim came to get the ark of the Lord. They took it to the hillside home of Abinadab and ordained, and ordained Eliezer, his son, to be in charge of it. 
The ark remained in Kiryat Jerim for a long time, 20 years in all. During that time, all Israel mourned because it seemed that the Lord had abandoned them. 20 years, 20 years in the house of Abinadab. Abinadab was a, a Levite, and you know that is where the Levites were the people who ministered to the Lord. And so there was this ark in his house for 20 years, and nothing happened. No miracles, no supernatural things, nothing. Why? Why? What happened? Did, did they also think, okay, you know, we, we keep the ark in the house and do nothing about it? Is that what we do? What is it? So 20 years, nothing happens. Now David has become king. And David says, we have to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. Because he knew that the, that is where the ark belonged. So he wanted to bring, bring the ark back to Jerusalem. So we read in um, chapter 6, the second Samuel, that David mobilized 30,000 special troops. He led them to, uh, to Baal of Judah to bring home the ark of God, which bears the name of the Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim. So now, Aminadab, we don't know what happened to him. We don't know what happened to his son, Eliezer, but two other sons, Uzzah and Hophni, um, sorry, Uzzah and Ahiho. They are the two sons who are now going to help take the, remove the ark and take it back to Jerusalem. So what they do is they take the ark and they put it on a cart with two oxen. And as they go along, now David and his troops are also there, his people are also there. As they go along, the oxen stumble and the ark moves and Uzzah puts his hand on the ark and therefore, immediately, the anger of God comes on him, and he is slain, and he dies. What happened here? What happened? Why? You see, this is a people who come from the Levitical tribe. They are people who should have known what it meant and what God had asked Moses to do regarding the ark and what, how, how to revere, how to show reverence for the place of God. So number one, there was an indifference. Well, the ark's in the house. You know, that's all right. You know, they were indifferent about it. Second, that there was irreverence. They put it on a cart. The, the, the law says you don't put it on a cart. The Levites are supposed to carry it. The ark was designed in such a way that, you know, the poles had to go in and the Levites had to carry it. They not put it on a, on a, and then no one was supposed to touch it. You don't go near that. You know, and so he touched it, and the anger of God came, and that is what happened. So sometimes, this is, so what is this is what happens. It starts with you know, irreverence, irreverence, and then there is nothing. There is nothing. So there is no sacredness about it. Indifferent, indifference. It's just an object. Now irreverence. We'll just put it on the cart and we take it, and it's going to fall. I can stop it. You know, they, he did not connect, Uzzah did not connect the importance of the presence of the God and the ark. He did not understand that. So the third point that I would make uh, is that the Holy Spirit will make no difference in, in someone's, someone who is indifferent to him. We cannot be indifferent. The lack of reverence leads to quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. It is, uh, it is to live your life as 
you know, if we, we don't acknowledge him, it is to live our life as though he doesn't exist. To pray as though he doesn't live in you. Walk every day as though he does, he's not with me or with you. So theologically, we do understand. Yes, God is with us. We know he's with us. You know, same as Uzzah. He knew, you know, the Ark of the Covenant was there. He, he knew that. But he didn't connect the two. He didn't connect the two. So this is what happens when we don't understand. You know, when we don't understand the presence and the power of the Spirit in us. So I, as I said, I grew up in church. So uh, when I grew up, you know, I went to church. I went to Sunday school. I knew, knew the word of God, you know, as children do. And I grew up and I, could, I would say as a teenager that I was not a regular reader of the Bible or anything like that. But enough knowledge to, you know, to understand the Bible and go through. But uh, every adversity that I had to face in my 20s brought me closer to God. It brought me closer to God, every adversity. And, you know, I never looked back. I kept growing and growing because I know that God was my only answer. God was my only solution. All I had was God and nobody else. So, and that is how, you know, God has taught me and strengthened me. And now, as I said to you, I have this desire to know the Holy Spirit so, so intimately so that, you know, my, my life that he has redeemed and he has brought me to where I am is worthy of who he is in me. He is worthy of the calling and that I want to love him, that I want to serve him in whichever way I can. So I'm not saying this to uh, condemn anybody or to bring shame or guilt on anybody. It's just sometimes that we are, we are not taught well, that we are, not, we are ignorant. You know, you know, if only, there are many if onlys in my life. If only I was told that this was not right or if I was taught this, you know, we would have lived life differently. But the grace of God is sufficient. Amen? For every one of us, every day, the grace of God is sufficient. So this is what. So instead of quenching the spirit, my desire is to, in, uh, uh, to create in you a desire, a curiosity, that you would know the Holy Spirit more. That you will pray, you know, uh, uh, with, uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit every day. That, you, that one day will not pass in your life that you don't give thought or attention to the Holy Spirit. Lord, you know, you remember him every day in your life. That when you do that, when you give attention to the Holy Spirit, God will bless you. You know, he will be there with you. He will be with your family. He will be with your work. And he will make a big difference in your life. He does make a big difference in your life. So we need to cultivate that um, desire. We need to cultivate that intimacy. See, when, when, when things happen in our life, when, when the gods fail, when things happen, God gives us the power, but he also gives us the power to remove the sin. You know, the ark didn't remove Dagon from the temple. The people had to come and remove it. So when we are, when we, when God touches our lives, He gives us the power to remove what is not all these other gods in our lives. But I have to do it. I have to do it. You know, God won't do it for me, but He's given me the power. So that is the power that I need to activate in my life every single day, because it doesn't happen one day and it's done forever. Because every day we feel, face new challenges, every day we face new situations, every day we know this is what I am supposed to do or I am not supposed to do, or you know, this is what God wants me to do. Am I going to be obedient or am I not going to be obedient? So these are the things that we want to ask ourselves and we want to ask. We, we want to do. So we go on to further on to the story and we read that um, in 2 Samuel chapter 6 verses 10 and 12, the Lord had now blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household because now the ark 
was taken, you know, the, once Uzzah died, David was very upset. He was very angry. He was very angry and he didn't know what to do. And he said, God, what am I going to do? How will I bring the presence of the Ark of the Covenant into, into Jerusalem? He didn't know. So he left and he went. And he left it at the house of a man, the house of a man named Obed-Edom. Now, Obed-Edom was not a Levite. He was a Gideite. But that is where the, uh, the Ark went. But we read in the, in the scripture that God blessed the house of Obed-Edom. How come? How? I, you know, I'm reading into this. I probably think he heard what was all what was happening, and he said, "It's okay. You bring the ark in the house. I will, I will show reverence. I will pray. I will show the reverence, and I will, I will look after this ark. I will know how to live in the presence of God. I will honor the presence of God in my life." And this is what happened. And this is what happened. And we read that in three months he was blessed. The house of Obed Edom was blessed. It was so blessed. That word got around. People around knew that he was. This household was blessed. Uh, you know, I was trying to think. You know, what type of blessing was it? I don't know. In three months, you know, something happened. Something that happened. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. The neighbors knew. The, the clan knew. Everyone knew. Not only that, word got to the king. God has blessed the house of Obed Edom. So now, there is a desire in David to come back. And, you know, bring the ark of the God. And that's what happens to us too. When God, the spirit of God works in our life, you know, and the blessings of God, you know, others will notice. People will see. And we pray that everybody will want what God has done in our lives. That is our prayer. That God, the people would see the God in our lives and they would want what God has for us. And that is our prayer. So the Holy Spirit, my fourth point, will transform, transform those who take him in. He will transform us. And that transformation should, should you know, affect our lifestyle. It should affect those people who see us in such a manner that they desire to know the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't matter if you are a Christian for only three months or just two weeks. If you know that this is the God who loves me and who lives in me, I will honor him. That's all you have to do. I will love him and I will honor him the way I know. And it doesn't matter. You know, the Holy Spirit is not a Holy Spirit of any denomination, of any race, or any color, or any tribe, or anybody. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and he will come into every house, every person who desires him. You know, just because, you know, we think we, we, we've got the Holy Spirit, no. Every heart that desires him is what, you know, where the Holy Spirit will desire. Will desire. So love him and honor him, and he is ready to bless you and, it, and to bless your whole family. So now David has come, and he's come to take the ark back to, back to Jerusalem, the house of David. And so he comes this time with great fanfare, and guess what? He's, the Levites are carrying the ark this time. And, you know, if you read the story, you know, there was such fanfare, so many steps, and they celebrated. He danced, and he carried on, and, you know, they sacrifices. And I don't know however long it took to get them to Jerusalem, but they took the ark to Jerusalem. But I love the character Obed-Edom. What Obed-Edom did was, you know, he was blessed because the ark was there. He was blessed. But he said, look, the ark is being taken to Jerusalem. I am going where the ark is. I'm not staying where the blessing is, but I'm going where the presence is. 
I am after the blesser and not the blessings. I love this character. I love this character. So he goes. He goes, and not only him, he takes his eight sons. So if you read in the book of Chronicles, what, it, what happens there is Obed-Edom has gone there and David has uh, built a special tabernacle for the ark. And then later, you know, he makes all the plans so that his son would build the temple. And what we see is that Obed-Edom, he has not, you know, he's got there. He's now a gatekeeper. He learns to play the harp. He becomes a musician. You know, to minister before the Lord, to be a musician is a great honor, yeah, to minister before the Lord. Then he also becomes a doorkeeper of the south gate later on, and then watchman on the walls of Jerusalem, as well as, sorry, the watchman over the, over the tabernacle. And also, we read later on that his family were in charge of the storehouses. In other words, whatever comes into the temple, you know, the whole family served, the whole family. He signed up the whole family. And he says, wherever I can, Obed, Obed says, wherever I can, I will serve the Lord. Wherever the ark is, wherever the presence is, I will serve the Lord in whichever way I can. Whether I'm a gatekeeper, whether I'm a musician, whether I'm a doorkeeper, whether I'm whatever I do, where the presence of God, that is where I will serve. I want to minister to the Lord. I'm not after the blessings. I'm not after the material things, but I want to be in ministry. I want to serve him. In, you know, that's why David said, I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And that is what inspired me about this Obed. And I thought, well, if I had a son, Obed would be a name. Anybody? <laughs> okay. So the point that I also want to make is that, you know, what really matters is our passion for the Holy Spirit, number five. The passion for, our, for the Holy Spirit. It's not being close. It's not being in the church, but it is our passion for the Holy Spirit. Now, Uzzah was a Levite. You know, he was, th that tribe was given the privilege of serving God and doing everything that God had asked them to do. And sometimes I can think, I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a charismatic. I have gifts. I have had these experiences in the past, you know, but none of them matter in the eyes of God. None of them matter if I have forgotten to delight and to have a, a passion for him. And that is what ultimately matters every day, every day. So I pray that God would pour into us, into you and to me, a new measure of grace, a new measure of anointing that we will be passionate about the things of the spirit, the things of God. See, in the old days, there was only one ark, and David took it to Jerusalem. But today, the Holy Spirit lives in each one of us, every one of us. God is living in each one of us. And today, we, have the, the, we, have the, we need to create that passion and the desire to be so affectionate towards the Holy Spirit that in each of us, there will be such a, you know, that such a, that you know when we hear the name of the Holy Spirit we get excited we say oh they're talking about the Holy Spirit who lives in me you know when they talk when people blaspheme the name of Jesus it really hurts me even as I was preparing this message I thought Lord Lord you know help me to you know get excited about you 
you know, not, not get angry, but excited about you. They're talking about the Holy Spirit who lives in me. They're talking about who he comforts me. He comforts me, helps me. He's there for me. He's provided, he's done everything. You know, this, today he spoke to me. This morning, even I was, as I was, you know, again going through this message, I had a wonderful time just in his presence. You know, and that is what is most beautiful. Most beautiful. And I say, Lord, bless my people, bless my family, just like this. You see, what really came out to me also is in this, as I was preparing, just a fresh revelation, is when God created humanity, Adam and Eve, you know, God was present, and he wanted humanity to be in his presence. But what happened because of sin, you know, they were removed from the presence of God. But God still wanted to be among his people. So he brought the ark and he showed them, you know, I will be present among your people. And then now he has given us the Holy Spirit. The love of God is mind-boggling. Just, you know, just overwhelms me with such, you know, adoration for a God who loves us, who wants to be intimate with us. You know, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, you know, we feel rejected sometimes. Nobody talked to me, nobody said this, nobody gave me this or done this, invited me here or, you know, all these things. But uh, the Holy Spirit in me, do I reject him? Do I reject him? What must it feel to him if I carry on, you know, about everybody else and I'm rejecting the Holy Spirit? You know, these are the... These are the things that came to me. And here is, is, is Obed, who is not even a um, Levite, but God promotes him. God promotes him. God promotes him. So it doesn't have to be, you know, we don't have to be anybody or somebody, but God will promote us. God will promote us to the place that where he wants us to be. And so today I pray that there would be a stirring in your spirit, that the Holy Spirit is speaking into your hearts and saying, something. He's saying something. I don't know. So how he blesses me is different to how he will bless you. Each one of us is different. We are all not the same. Thank God for that. Because that is how he desires to use you. And that is how he desires to take you along the journey that he has prepared for each one of us. So I pray that today that there will be a stirring in your spirit. Can we just shut our eyes for a little moment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Give him that place and say, Lord, I'm sorry for the times that I have not been reverent. For the times that I have ignored you. Let him speak to your heart. Let him speak. Let him speak. Let him speak. Holy Spirit, we ask, oh God, as we leave this place, that we would not forget. But Lord, from today, from this day onwards, that there would be a new desire, a new anointing, a new grace in our lives, oh God. Father, that we will thirst and hunger after your presence. That we recognize you. That we will put you first. We will, we will never neglect you, oh God. We'll never take you for granted. We'll walk with you. We will pray with you. And your words will lead us. And the power of the Spirit will allow us to minister to others. 
because you are so real in us that you will use us mightily because that is your desire, O oh God, to bless us, to bless us, to bless us. Thank you. So I give you the benediction that says, may the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace of God, the grace, grace of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you today and forevermore. Don't forget the fellowship. Don't forget the fellowship. Love him with all you have. Amen.